0: You're listening to Halford and Broth.
1: Grounded to second. Two years removed to losing a hundred, the Rangers have won the
2: pennant.
0: Sometimes you lose and sometimes you get you get beat, you know? There's a difference.
1: And now a fight, it unfurls on the field. And we're not over-exaggerating that. There were punches thrown. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. Good morning, Vancouver. Six oh one on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford and his breath. It is Sportsnet six fifty. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Ah, good morning, laddie. Good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by. Everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com.
0: And we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net.
1: Our guest list begins today at 6.30 with Greg Wyszynski from ESPN. Now, I mention ESPN because they're doing something special tonight hmm. down in the States. For the first time in NHL history, all, six, all 16 games, 32 teams, are going to be played on the same night. None of them are going to start at the same time. Yes, they call them staggered start times. It's called frozen frenzy in the United States of America. They are going to have six and a half hours of uninterrupted hockey coverage. They're actually going to try and do a red zone style broadcast with the NHL tonight. I am fascinated to see so, how this is going to turn out. Is that on the ESPN main network then? ESPN. ESPN. ESPN tonight two, on ESPN. All of them. ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN Plus are all showing hockey at various points tonight. But is there a Red Zone channel? There's not a specific Red Zone channel. Oh, yet. I see. Okay. Yeah, they're going to be flipping it around. We'll talk to Wish about this more at 6.30 because, look, for what's going on right now, Uh, A major, major sort of innovation in the broadcast. They're talking about changing the draft. There's a lot of things going on Mm -hmm. with the NHL right now. So we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski at 6.30 about all that. 7 o'clock, Willie Donich is going to join the program. He is the play-by-play voice of the Nashville Predators. The Vancouver Canucks are in Nashville tonight. Note the start time, 6.15 Pacific Standard Time. Willie's going to join us to talk about the Predators. Tonight's opponent, that is the final game of the Canucks road swing. 7.30. Vanny Sartini is going to join the program. He, of the playoff-bound Vancouver Whitecaps, he also, of the new two-year contract extension, which you'll see him stay on as the manager of the Whitecaps until 2025, will preview the uh, best-of-three playoff series against LAFC. Vanny's got a couple familiar friends on that team. His former boss, Mark DeSantos, now the assistant manager of uh, the uh, LAFC team, and Max Crapo, the goalie. I want to ask him what he thinks of the best-of-three format. It's weird. It's
0: very weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's unlike— I mean, it's not weird for North American sports, a best-of-three. We've seen lots of of best-of-threes in North America. For soccer, though, and for
1: the guys that grew up watching soccer and playing soccer in Europe, I'm sure it's a little odd. That conversation happens at 7.30. Vanny Sartini is going to be on the show. 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He'll be on the call tonight when the Canucks take on the Preds. We'll set things up, look back on hashtag the start in this five-game road swing with Brendan Batchelor. Uh, We are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Blues tonight. Sorry, we're giving away today. The game is on Friday at Rogers Arena. If you would like to win a pair of tickets, we're going to give them away to the best what we learn submission. Hashtag WWL add a ticket emoji into your text and importantly the Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650 get them in tickets pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Blues on Friday at Rogers Arena so working in reverse on the guest list 8 o'clock it's Brendan Batchelor 7.30 Vanny Sartini 7 o'clock Willie Donich and 6.30 it's Greg Wyshynski Uh, that's what's happening on the program today laddie let's tell everybody what happened hey did you guys see the game last night no No. what happened because i We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. There was a couple football games last sorry, a couple baseball games last night. There was a football game, but we start with your Vancouver Canucks and a day off in Nashville. I wonder what they got up to. Uh, Yeah, they had the day off in Nashville after they practiced on
0: Sunday. They'll probably skate this morning ahead of tonight's game uh, against the Predators. Again, the start time for this game on this frozen frenzy night, 6.15 hour time. Um, Sunday at practice, Hoaglander had replaced Stadnika on the fourth line. So Hoaglander should get back into the lineup, uh, assuming... Those practice lines are going to be the game lines. Uh, as for the opponents, we'll talk more uh, with Willie Donich about the Nashville Predators. But the Preds are 3-3. Three and three. They've won two straight. And this is interesting and maybe a little bit surprising. We can talk to Willie about this. They boast some, boast some of the best 5-on-5 analytics in the league. In fact, they're averaging 35.5 shots per game. Only Colorado and Toronto are higher in that category. So even though the Preds, I don't think many people are predicting them to make the playoffs. They're in a bit of a retooling phase. Uh, Some old names have gone out the door. Uh, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne no longer there.
1: Some old guys came in the door.
0: Some old guys came in the door and Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen. Um, This should be a test for a Canucks team that hasn't exactly controlled play at five-on-five in their first five games. And that's something that Rick Tockett wants to improve on. So perhaps this is a good test for the Canucks. And by the way, uh, Nashville will be in Vancouver on October 31st, Halloween night. So the Canucks and the Preds are going to play twice in the next little while. Um, So we'll talk more about the Canucks game uh, later on in the show. Brendan Batcher is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Only one game last night in the NHL. Montreal went into Buffalo and beat the Sabres to 3-1. The loss dropped Buffalo's record to 2-4-0. A pretty disappointing start considering expectations. And also, they're probably looking at Detroit and going, wow, Detroit's a wagon. Yeah. They're on fire. They're 5-1. and one. Ottawa looks a lot better this season. Ottawa might challenge for a playoff spot. Meanwhile, we're still the Buffalo Sabres.
1: Yeah, it's been a, I'd say, rather disappointing start. Not just disappointing, but given, one, how flat they've looked, and then, two, as you put it, in comparison with the other teams in the Atlantic Division that everyone assumed were going to make the, hashtag the start, right? Mm-hmm. The leap to try and get into playoff contention. Buffalo's falling behind. They're not scoring enough goals. I mean, that's been their biggest Achilles heel thus far. Well, they got
0: goalied by Jake Allen last night. And by the way, the Habs improved to 3-1-1. Uh, Jake Allen had a really good night. And uh, Tanner Pearson, remember him? We need to talk about Tanner Pearson. Yeah, he scored his third goal of the season. So good for Tanner Pearson. He actually scored it on the power play um, in Horvat's spot. We've got audio of it. Here's Tanner Pearson scoring the insurance goal last night in Montreal's 3 1 win over Buffalo.
1: New hooks, down low Gallagher, but scores. Tanner Pearson snaps it all, with four seconds to go in the power play. So we need to talk about Tanner? Um, yeah, I mean, not it, really. Well, I think it's a great, I think it's, it's gra- good for him. It's a great story, uh, individually because yeah. I was not hundred percent certain based on how much uncertainty there was around the hand mm. that he was going to be able to even resume his NHL career I'm and sure he wasn't certain either to be an effective member of the league and of society, but he's on a line with Sean Monahan and Brendan Gallagher, <laughs>
0: which <laughs> the old is guy's line. He,
1: in On that team, yeah, that's the grandpa line. I mean, that is a very, very veteran-laden team. Or, sorry, veteran-laden line. And it just its one of those things. young where, team. It just kind of works. It clicks. There's no mm-hmm. particular rhyme or reason why, but good on all three of them. They're going to need to carry a bigger load in Montreal this year. By that, I mean that Monaghan-Gallagher-Pearson line because of the loss of Kirby Dock for the season. Mm-hmm. Other guys are going to need to be counted on. And look, I would not be surprised if after the Dock injury... Marty St. Louis and the team leaders probably challenged everyone to, hey, don't let us fall off a cliff here. Let's try and be in that playoff contention that some of these other teams are looking to get into. I don't Mm -hmm. think they'll get there, No, but they need to show growth in their game. They can't just flatline after an injury like that. Yes, Greg? Sean Monahan, he's 22 points in 30 games since joining the Habs. Obviously, huge injury problems last year, Mm -hmm. but five points in five games this year. Is he back? Uh, I'm a, oh. a bit hesitant to say that because of it's the health. small sample size. The yeah. health factor's the problem. I mean, that goes for Galley, and that well, probably goes for Pearson, too. too, right? They're older. They're yeah. injury-prone. Yeah. If they can keep it up over, God, 40 games, then maybe we can start Habs, talking about this. The
0: Habs, don't forget, had a kind of an encouraging start last season, and then they completely fell apart. Uh, let's move on to the baseball. Uh, get the Game 6 out of the way because I want to get to the Game 7. The Arizona Diamondbacks forced... A game seven. So that's going to be in Philly tonight. So there's a lot of sports to watch. There's a game seven in baseball between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Um, But the story of the night in baseball last night was the Texas Rangers eliminating the Houston Astros in seven games in a bizarre series where all seven games were won by the road team. Now, didn't this happen to the Astros a couple of years? W- wasn't their World it's Series? The se-
1: it's only the second time in MLB history that a best of seven series has been decided by all road wins. But wasn't the Astros? Wasn't in the 2019 Correct. World Series? 2019 against yeah. Washington, they yep. went on to win it. Right. There is something wrong, <laughs> fundamentally, with the Houston Astros playing baseball at home.
0: Yeah, it's weird, huh? this
1: isn't just a playoff sample size. They were sub-500 during the regular season. I think they were 40 and 47. Their combined part. record was 40 and 47 if you include okay, the Okay, if you include the O and – yeah. yeah it was a. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. None of it makes it's any bizarre. sense. I would also like to add that they just didn't lose at home. They got punked at home. They got bombed. Adolis Garcia, I don't know why they were pitching to him by the end of that series. Uh, ALCS MVP finishes with 15 RBI in the series. A question for Bruff. Yes. With the Rangers getting one step closer to exiting the sad club, does yeah. that make you sad or happy? How, how, uh, I'm happy the, for the Texas
0: Rangers. Yeah. It's, so it, it, it so seems leaving dip- the
1: sad club is a good thing in your eyes? Mm-hmm. Like it makes you happy? Depends
0: on the sport. Depends on the team. I don't want the Sabres to leave
1: the sad club. Oh, okay. the Canucks it's the one only, more team that did it before team. the Canucks. Look, I'm yeah, going yeah. to be dead honest. When we've taken, and I'm using the royal we here, when we've taken the sad club to other sports, sometimes it's not as Doesn't congruent work as well. because yeah. there's too much – Franchise movement mm. and, you know, cities have won titles, but franchises well, have... Well, NFL is versa? tough,
0: too, because you're like, do you count, uh, and like, what was it, the AFL? Before the right? AFL-NFL like, merger, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So I count, I actually, in, in terms of sad club for the NFL, I'll count, like, an NFL title before mm. the Super Bowl but I won't count. Was it AFL? Is that
1: what it was? The American. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: I won't count those.
1: I think the important thing to note here is that if you're just talking about the World Series, right, which is a tried and true Major League Baseball trophy and tradition, the Rangers are just one of six Major League teams without one. And I think adding to their sad club resume is that they went to back to back World Series Mm -hmm. in 2010 and 2011. In 2011, they were one strike away. So they got as close as you can physically get. To getting out of the sad club, and now they'll get an opportunity. I really hope it's Philly.
0: I hope it's Philly too. I, I just don't
1: want the Diamondbacks. I just I mean I don't mind uh, the team. I, yeah,
0: but they're, they're like they're potatoes. Just,
1: they're kind of neat. They have all these guys that are yeah. somewhat interesting. Noted fantasy football enthusiast Tommy Fam, former Blue Jay Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Evan Longoria is still playing ball. Former Blue Jays. They don't. Yeah, that don't. Yeah, Garth. but isn't really that kind
0: does. of annoying when the Blue Jays fans are like the whole time throughout the series, they're just like Ross I can see
1: what you did there. Well, yeah, it's can funny. you blame them?
0: No, <laughs> I can't. But it's still annoying. It's like it's not
1: about you guys. You guys are out. So if Bo Horvat went to the Stanley Cup final last year, would yeah Mets fans not be a little and bitter? And I'm sure about
0: it? we'd be annoying to the rest of the league, right? Like that's the thing. I just want to watch. I just wanna watch a series and I hope it's the Phillies. So uh, we'll find out tonight on that. We gotta to get to the football.
1: Yeah, but Breff and I have talked about the Philadelphia Phillies' home field advantage throughout these playoffs. Mm. Tonight's gonna be the decider as to whether it was a real thing or just a bunch of noise because they cannot lose this game tonight. Yeah. I, I don't know what else. Then <laughs> the say.
0: Philly fans will
1: turn on them. Right. <laughs> like, We're back to being Philly fans. So the op- never get this the, optimism. The upside of them losing the game tonight would be all the chaos. Well, yeah. you know what? i The guys on CBS Sports Radio, which uh, airs before us here on Sportsnet 650, they were talking about, like, just watch what happens if they lose because a lot of these people just be like, we're just pivoting to the Eagles. Thanks. Like, this was a fun sort mm-hmm. of yeah. brief foray into baseball. And we got really excited. We love Bryce Harper, who, by the way, hasn't done anything at the plate and didn't do it last night for a couple games now. And Nick Castellanos is one for 20 in this series. The bats aren't going. Here's the thing with that crowd. If they're sending the long ball and sending these moonshots, it electrifies that crowd. If what happens last night when the bats go silent, there's no, it's great pitching and great defense mm-hmm. isn't going to lift that crowd, they got to sock some dingers. That is my baseball analysis. For the
0: um, so your football analysis uh, analysis a couple of weeks ago was that, fine, I admit it, Brock Purdy is good. The 49ers have now lost two in a row, and Brock Purdy, while not looking... Awful necessarily has not looked all that good. The 49ers lost again last night in Minnesota. Brock Purdy with a couple of.
1: Interesting interceptions. You're uh, mostly talking about the one at the end of the game. I no, saw you no, tweet the, no, out. Well, the first no, no, one wasn't first, very good either. No, the
0: first one was the worst one. The second no, no, one no, no, you no, understand. No, 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 the second one you understand because he was in a position where he had to force some throws because the 49ers had like 40 seconds left and they needed a touchdown, not a field goal, to win the game. Yeah. So the second one, I'll be like, all right, you got to take some chances. The first one was just like I, yeah, I don't know what happened there. It was maybe timing was off with the receiver, but it was a terrible throw and and all of a sudden. And this 49ers team that looked honestly unstoppable at the beginning of the season, they've run into some injury issues. Yes, that's an excuse for Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Definitely, I don't... Christian McCaffrey played yesterday. He scored another touchdown. He scores one every game he plays. Uh, But they were still missing some other guys, and I don't know if McCaffrey was 100%. But all of a sudden, 49ers fans might be looking at their quarterback situation and going, "Uh, maybe Brock Purdy isn't
1: the next coming of Tom Brady. I mentioned the final interception. Laddie's got the call here because we didn't just use the television call for the Vikings wrapping up victory. We went straight to Minnesota Radio WFAN. If you want to hear what a Homer broadcaster sounds like, listen to this. Here we are, the game-winning interception for the Vikes last night over the 49ers. Purdy back to pass when he needs to sack him. He loops it over the middle. Intercepted! Yeah! field and we're not over exaggerating that there were punches thrown these sour ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town the sour ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town it's a good I, line. yeah I want Batch to drop that on Friday when the Canucks beat the St. Louis Blues and there's a fi- any sort of fisticuffs during the game get out of here St. Louis anyway uh the Brock Purdy thing if you look at the numbers it was aside from an I put more onus on the late interception because they showed the replay, and there was actually a couple different safety valves he could have done to keep the game alive. Right. But,
0: but he did have to force the ball downfield in that situation. Overall,
1: right? Brock Purdy went 21 of 30 passing, so well above 50%, closer to 60 or 70 for 272 yards, and he orchestrated a couple scoring drives. Wasn't like a all-star, all-world performance to me. The bigger concern for San Francisco right now is how the hell did Kirk Cousins go 35 of 45 passing Mm -hmm. for 378 yards? And wait a minute. The most crazy stat of them all did not get sacked a single time. This defense of San Francisco was supposed to be the lifeblood of that team. Yeah. The offense is great, right? But Brock Purdy was getting the ball to playmakers in positions to make plays defensively. They weren't going to allow a lot of points. They went through the first four or five games of the season holding everybody at under 20. I can't believe that Cousins and that Minnesota offense without Justin Jefferson. It's just one game, though. I mean, they, it's not like Cleveland racked up a bunch of points on them. No, but it, of yards. coming off a loss mm-hmm. in which you should have won the football game, yep. I did not expect of all the people to win on primetime mm-hmm. and to have a game, Kirk Cousins. And the Minnesota Vikings. I was
0: sure the Vikings were going to blow that at the end, just because they're the Vikings, and just because I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. And Vikings fans, I guarantee, expected them to lose it at the end of that. And when they finally won, they were probably like, "Wait a minute, we won!" Yeah,
1: That's it was incredible. So we're three and four. Well, I'll tell you this: that put San Francisco at five and two after Seattle's uh, frustrating loss to Cincinnati two weeks ago, and then a. We got to have it, but we didn't play great win over Arizona. That division looks a lot interesting. I'll remind everybody that Seattle and San Francisco still have the two divisional games to play Mm -hmm. against each other, and they do it almost in back-to-back scenarios. It's week 12 and week 14. Can we also talk about the fact that there isn't a single team in the NFL that hasn't had
0: kind of an embarrassing loss this season? Like, all the good teams. Like, I, I know everyone's like... The Eagles, right? Like they, they, nobody nobody feels better now that they've seen the 49ers struggle a bit, and maybe Brock Purdy isn't all people have been chalking him up to be. Um, maybe, uh, of course, they've you know they, they, they're probably looking at and going like we're we're the favorites in the NFC now, right? Yeah, but they had a bad loss to the Jets. Like, that wasn't a great loss. Yeah. They bounce back. I know the Jets have a good defense, and I know the Jets aren't the worst team in the NFL, but I'm just looking around at some of these teams, right? Like, Detroit, they lost to the Seahawks at home, and they got blown away by Detroit, Baltimore, yeah. right? The You look at uh, Miami, they've had a couple of bad losses. The Bills... Uh, I've had some d- dreadful losses. Even
1: Kansas City has lost. So Kansas a- City's probably the only one that hasn't had a real "quote unquote" embarrassing loss. Right. Right? They lost on yeah. opening night, and then have since racked up. Uh, I think it's five or six consecutive wins. But it's a good point to bring up because right now, if you're looking at it, all signs, in my opinion, anyway, are the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. And the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. And then there's a couple teams that you maybe could say have a puncher's chance. But I think there's almost a divide right now. Mm-hmm. I know that the AFC is probably a little bit more top-heavy. I don't know what I consider Buffalo right now. Uh, reasonably close to being a contender. But I would put Baltimore firmly in that mix and a handful of other teams as well. But to me, it's... Philly, in light of what's happened in the last two weeks in San Francisco, I would put Philly ahead of San Francisco. I don't know if you'd do the same. Yeah, you would going power yeah, rank yeah, the NFC. Sure. I think that would be it. Uh, real quick, because we've only got a couple minutes before we go to break and come back with Greg Wachinski. we should mention that an absolutely massive NBA deal went down yesterday, and that is that Yanis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks signed a three-year, $186 million contract. Wow, that's like $5 million a season. I will repeat, not 30 years, not 13 <laughs> years. One, two, three years. $186 million to stick with Milwaukee. This is a massive, massive moment in what's been a massive offseason for the Milwaukee Bucks because the possibility of Giannis leaving was hanging out there after their early playoff exit last year. They fired the coach. It looked like the team was in a bit of disarray. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about an organization showing how badly they wanted to keep a guy around. They swing a huge trade to bring in a superstar in Damian Lillard to play alongside Giannis, and then they break open the bank. Now, this is going to be fascinating because Giannis has said, I want to play my entire career with one organization and one franchise. Mm -hmm. And if this continues to go the way that it's going, he will certainly do that. He's now put himself in that conversation for what's his legacy going to look like? Where is he going to rank among the all-time greats? Because there's one particular thing that's put him in rarefied air. He's got a regular season MVP, a finals MVP, and a defensive player of the year. Only two other guys in NBA history have done that. One is Michael Jordan, and the other is Hakeem Olajuwon. So he's now in that... Were, were, were they good? They and, were all right. Were they, they could play yeah. the hoopies pretty well. Mm-hmm. So they're now. he's now in rarefied air. And interestingly, he's going to st- spend, I think, his entire career in... Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Which is just bizarre because the tradition has been, hey, you're an NBA superstar. Why don't you go play in a real market? So a couple thoughts on this. At one sports buck, I looked
0: at the bucks are plus 350 favorites to win the title next season. Now there are some teams that are close to them in terms of the odds. The Celtics plus 400 and the defending champion uh, Denver Nuggets are at plus 450. So the bucks are the favorites to win next season's NBA title I also think about poor Joel, Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, who just saw what the Bucks did. And he's sitting there going, uh, What are the Sixers going to do for me? Hmm. Because we've got some problems here in Philly. And I don't know if I want to be here. For the rest of my career, the way
1: things are going. Yeah, I mean, look at, the, look at that Eastern Conference now. I mean, where would you put Philadelphia in the pecking order? It's not even really close, to be honest. The title's going go to mm-hmm. go through Milwaukee. It's not going to go through Milwaukee. It's going to go through Boston. If it's not going to go through Boston, it's going to go, through, gonna go st- through
0: Miami. I still think about that game that they had at home to clinch that series over the Celtics mm-hmm.
1: and how different things might have looked now if they had just won that game. Uh, Oh, hold on. I need to make a correction because Karn put it out. I said Bryce Harper didn't do anything over the last few games. It was last game. I'm sorry. It was 0 for 9. What was it? 0 for 9... Schwarber, Turner, and Harper in in Game Six. That's what I was referring to. So thank you, Karn, for pointing that out. I was aware that Bryce Harper hit a home run. What's in it was in baseball? Five. You can't go one game with a down. Yeah. Game in the, it was the like three guys all over that, you. It's the three guys that went over nine. You, you kind of made it seem like he was struggling badly at the plate. That's I that wasn't my intent, and I do apologize. So mm-hmm. that, that that's that's on me. I'll take the lumps on that one, Carn the Plumber. Thank you for pointing it out. Uh, Greg, thank you, Laddie, for replying and saying I just decided to let Halford say something stupid. Okay. Greg Wyszynski is going to join us next talk a little hockey on the Halford abrupt
0: Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Dranz. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: 631 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, SportsNet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in Hour 1 of the program. Greg Wasinski from ESPN is going to join us momentarily here. The highlight of Hour 1, really. Hour one is brought to you by Everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. Tonight is just the second 16-game day in NHL history, but the first in which no game will start at the exact same time. It is Frozen Frenzy on ESPN. Joining us now from ESPN, our good buddy Greg Wyshynski here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Wish.
3: How are you? Good man, it's gonna be a fun night. It's gonna be an interesting night. Uh, you not only to have, have all of this hockey in front of us, but also uh, you know, as part of the Frozen Frenzy here in the states, we're doing sort of a NFL red zone type show with Bucci, Grass and Weeks as they uh, watch all the games basically and keep you uh, informed of all the goals and and action and highlights. So I'm 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 intrigued to see how this plays out <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know. It's always interesting when you're doing like a live thing like this. I've done like live uh, stream coverage of events before. Sure. Yeah, like you're hoping a lot happens, uh, and you're hoping that you don't necessarily have to vamp too much. So those guys can vamp; they can they can talk. <laughs> I mean, Weeksy can definitely talk. So I think they'll be all right. But it's still like I hope they get a lot of goals and
0: stuff. Yeah, how's the red zone going to work? Are you, are you going to be like, okay, we're going to switch over to the Canucks Predators game? The Canucks have the puck in Nashville zone. Uh, So we'll stay here until the puck is cleared out and then we'll go to another game. Like how does, how's that all going to work? Well, we
3: talked to Bucci about that on the drop this week. The new episode came out today. And and he said, it's kind of one of these deals where they're looking out for events that they can kind of switch to. So power plays coaches, challenges, you know, maybe like the last four minutes of a period, that kind of thing. So, I think they have a good sense of, of where to go, like when all these games are going on, but, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of it's going to rely on, you know, the booth to kind of keep an eye on things and, and let them know what's, what's cooking in some of these games. Cause they obviously can't watch all of them at the same time. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think there's enough of events in a, in a night of hockey where you're going to be whipping around to different stuff uh, uh, pretty regularly Um, you know, when you have all these games in front of you, you don't really realize how much is actually like happening in each one. So I think they'll, they'll be all right. I'm pretty sure they'll be all right. I hope they're all right.
0: What is the goal of, what is the goal of a night like this?
3: Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I've been talking about this sort of internally with people at ESPN for a really long time. Like this has been in the works. It's kind of been a dream project to, to do this sort of thing. It's a, it's a chance to put a spotlight on all the teams to kind of give everybody their, their, their place in the sun a little bit. Um, it's a chance for hockey fans to kind of congregate around and, and watch a night of regular season hockey together. Um, you know, the, the shared experience thing uh, is almost now exclusive to sports when it comes to television. Mm. You know, there was a time when, like, everyone was watching the Game of Thrones finale and things like that, and, mm. and, and those opportunities are so few and far between that they're almost exclusively relegated to sports. So, you know, ho- hockey being what it is, to have a night that kind of belongs to us, uh, to, to sit around and watch all these games and, and, you know, stack them up any way you want with these staggered starting times, it has been a goal for a while. It's just sort of, uh, one, see if we could pull it off, and, and two, to, to kind of give hockey fans a chance to do this. And and, and listen, I mean, let's not... Let's not forget the, the obvious uh, elephant in the room here, which is, you know, if you like to bet, <laughs> there's going <laughs> to there be lots, right. a lot to bet on tonight and you can keep betting. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think the NHL has always struggled with is, is trying to capture that audience. And I've said for years, boys, that, like, the first day of the playoffs should be March Madness. The first day of the playoffs should be there's a game at noon Eastern time and then you run through it to the end uh, and it should be like you and your buddies skip work on a Friday and go to mm-hmm. a bar and watch hockey. Like that'd be the coolest, but you know, that that certainly hasn't uh, come to fruition yet, but this is going to be as close as we can get to that sort of experience. Yeah.
0: Cause I don't see it happening in the NHL where they have games where All hockey fans are, like, looking forward to this one game. Like, you see, like, a good, you know, Monday night football matchup or Sunday night football matchup, and you're like, that's not my team, but I'm still going to watch that game. I think the NBA has that a little bit, maybe on on Christmas. It's funny, when I was growing up, like, Hockey Night in Canada, it was a 5 p.m. start in Vancouver, 8 o'clock start. Eastern time, I mean, mostly it was Leafs games or, or Habs games, but every once in a while, the Canucks would sneak in there. And and that would be a night where everyone was kind of watching the same game. But that was a long time ago, so there's no social media, certainly no betting sites that everyone was betting on. and um, And now, like, I'm not complaining about Saturday nights where – all the Canadian teams would be in action. And like, if you want to watch your team, you're going to be able to watch that game, but it has yeah. kind of lost that focus of there's one game. and This one game is going to get a lot of attention. And if you're a hockey fan, you're probably going to be watching this game, even if it's not your team involved in it. Yeah.
3: I mean, part of that sort of the ubiquity of hockey on television now and the access that we have to all these games. I mean, like if I want to, if I want to watch, you know, McDavid and Matthews, um, you know, I don't have to wait until the national broadcaster puts it on. I can just find the game on ESPN Plus when it's on. You know, it's it's like it's like it's more readily available to us. The difference between the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL, uh, and there's a lot of them, but, but the, <laughs> the primary one we're going to discuss here is, you know, the NFL is a religion, and it's every Sunday, and and you only get one shot to see the Dolphins and Eagles play. They they don't play again, right? So like you're going to make time to see that game. The NBA is is star centric. Their players play the vast majority of the minutes in the game. If you want to see the Warriors and the Lakers, you know why you're watching and you're going to get your money's worth because you 're going to see their stars play against each other and in the NHL, our stars play for at most 25 minutes if they're forward you know if we're, mm-hmm. if we're lucky in a, in a long you know, overtime game, uh, they're constantly on and off the ice and and beca- and let's let's be honest here. I mean part of the issue is also that when you're having these childhood recollections of monstrous games you've made time to watch you're watching teams that weren't constrained by the salary cap and that's the elephant in the room which is that I think that's twice like, twice I've used elephant maybe I had a dream about a the lot bar of elephants in this
0: room Yeah, I respect it yeah. so
3: so so that's that's but, what, but you know when you're talking about making time to watch a team or making time to watch a game you're probably talking about two teams that are absolutely stacked loaded You know, 2002 Detroit Red Wings kind of style teams, Mm. and we ain't got them anymore. (laughs) Like, you know, we we might have teams that get it at at forward or on D, but they certainly don't have it in goal. Like, the salary cap has has been designed to suppress salaries and create parity, and since it's been successful at both, uh, we don't have teams that are as stacked as they used to be, and, and are maybe like as star laden as some of the teams in the NBA are.
1: We're speaking to Greg Wachinski from ESPN, an NHL analyst here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Greg, these are kind of interesting times for the league from a, a marketing and how the, the league is packaged and presented standpoint, because there's a lot of different sort of new initiatives going on. One of them, and we talked about this yesterday on the show, uh, they have now dove so deep into advanced analytics and advanced stats that they've launched a new site or micro site called NHL Edge, where you can get the puck and player tracking statistics and technology presented to the fans. Uh, you wrote about this for ESPN. What do our listeners need to know in particular about NHL Edge?
3: Well, it's cool. I mean, like, the, the thing I like about it besides, you know, the readily available stats that hadn't been available to the public, like, uh, you know, the maximum skating speed and things like that, you'd see it on television, but we couldn't have access to the stats, is sort of the comparison tools that they have on this site. Like the example the NHL gave me when I wrote about this uh, this week was you could compare regular season Bobrovsky to playoff Bobrovsky last year (laughs) and see all the stats, you know, in the regular season versus the postseason. What does playoff Bob look like versus regular Bob? And uh, and you can overlay those stats into a a visual, uh, a data visual, which is kind of cool. Um, and, and, so the comparison aspect of this stuff is pretty cool. Also, like I've really become a big fan of the analytics community, creating player cards for people. So you can kind of get an overview of how effective they are. And while they, they don't, it's not as like clean as some of those things that you see on social media, they do have like basically an exhaustive bio of players on the, on the advanced stats site that give you all of the information they have available on that site and, and, uh, apply it to the players. So, it's really interesting one of the things that i found extraordinarily fascinating about this and, and i'm surprised i didn't get more play from people that like to pick at the nhl for, for things like this so they're still refining the technology okay um they're still telling me that like at the end of the day they may find ways to make like shot speed more accurate uh, and other some of these stats that are on the site currently more accurate And I'm like, that's great. We all strive for accuracy. Quick question. So the stats that we've already published. (laughs) Yeah,
1: how far off are they?
3: (laughs) How how, how far off are they? And and what what happens to them? Like if we come up with a way where it's like we definitely know how fast the shot is going now. Uh, Unimpeachably, it's perfect. Uh, So what happens to the the numbers that we had? And they're like, oh, we'll just fix them. I'm like, you're going to go back and fix the stats? (laughs) like from from like years ago and they're like yeah we have the data we'll just apply it through this thing that we've made and and we'll just change the numbers and i'm like no <laughs> that's work like like okay a couple weeks later maybe you give somebody an assist but you certainly don't go back and change all the numbers because you got a different formula yeah so I was, there's I was a new
0: sad. art ross winner
3: <laughs> i mean my god right it turns like, out we counted like, it all wrong yeah, <laughs> we had I mean, to change there's some a, things there's a, there's a part of me that's like completely aghast by this concept, but there's also part of me that's like, <laughs> all right, like what are we really dealing with here? Like a, a, a percentage of a, of a, of a mile per hour on a shot or whatever. Like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's no big deal, but like the, 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 NHL just being like, well, we're still working on it. And when we figure it out, we'll just change the numbers. It's just like, what? But yeah, that's what you're doing.
0: What's the most valuable stat? in terms of determining the quality of a player or the quality of a team that we're going to be able to learn from this?
3: Well, they have some, so
0: puck possession
3: obviously has always been the the thing that we focused on. I mean, it's the reason Corsi existed in the first place is to try to use that metric to determine, you know, who has the puck and for how long. Mm. And so right now they have a, a stat on the site that's, basically how long the puck is in the zone for. And, and it's going to be extremely accurate. It's going to be maybe the best measure of possession that we have uh, because they, are, they literally have sensors on the players. They have sensors on the puck. They have sensors around the arena. We're going to know definitively how long the puck is in the zone. And that's great. I mean, that tells you a lot about the effectiveness of a team's attack. And you know maybe we get it to a point where we can do it line by line and, and, and really break it down to a granular level. But those, that data is really good. What's going to be really interesting is is if they can go one step further, which is to tell us how long a player has possession of the puck. And that becomes a lot more complicated, not only because of the technology that they're using, but also because how do you determine possession if a player, say like, pushes the puck ahead a little bit? Yeah. Like say the puck's like two feet in front of him. You know, the, the the infrared might not read that as the player still having possession of the puck, but he certainly does. Mm-hmm. So There's a lot more noise and nuance in trying to get it down to what we really care about, which is, you know, how long does a player have the puck? But the numbers that we're dealing with now, I think, are going to give us the cleanest look at at possession time that we've had. And and that's a really important stat.
0: Was the NHLPA in on this release? Like, did they have a. Did they have uh, something to say about this? Because I imagine while, you know, Connor McDavid wouldn't mind having the fastest skater stats out there, there might be some guys that would be like, uh, I'm more of a stay-at-home guy and that's kind of my expertise and I don't really want to be known as the uh, one percentile slowest skater in the league.
3: <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I, I asked the NHL that question because I, I once had a conversation with Don Fear when he was the head of the NHLPA. Um, about the availability of its advanced stats. And, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about, me and him, was about the biometric stuff, like heart rate and things like that, that had been sort of been coming out from the European soccer leagues in particular, were fond of of releasing that sort of information. Um, And he was very wary about that. He's like, that's kind of the stuff we don't want out there. But we also talked about things like skating speed and and the idea that, you know, this type of information, while interesting and and, and trivial, for, for fans could also be used to demean players. I mean, it's like, like you said, like you are slow, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like in the third period, you are very slow. You're old and tired. Um, so the NHL PA obviously signed off on all of the, the release of this information, uh, at least that's what the NHL told me. And, and so I, I, I find it probably free and clear, but it was definitely something I was curious about because I know that there has been in the past pushback from the PA about some of the stuff being made public.
1: We're speaking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bref Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, so Wish, we've got uh, a new style of broadcasting about to be unveiled tonight. We've got a new advanced stats section. So the National Hockey League is really kind of reinventing itself and it may be doing that with its annual NHL entry draft. Uh, What are you hearing about changes to decentralize the draft and maybe make it more of a television-friendly event? Uh, Here's the thing. Like, we're all kind of talking about the logistics and the media is all losing their mind because
3: we might got not get a trip in June, which you know. Listen, we're all very upset about that. I like going to Nashville; it's yeah, cool. It's a good part in uh, Vegas and places mm-hmm. like that. Obviously, we get to all see each other. We get to see guys wearing shorts on day two. That mm-hmm. shouldn't be wearing shorts.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. hockey it's, media it's, it's, and shorts—not yeah, a great combination.
3: Yeah. It's 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 horrible. It's, it's like it's like seeing two white asparagus uh, <laughs> dangling down from people's torsos. Um, but, but, but look, like, like, so we're all very upset about it because it impacts us, which is a very media reaction, which is why you've seen a lot of, like, real big think pieces about this from certain, certain parties.
0: Oh, yeah. Here's
3: the bottom line. It costs a lot of money to put on a draft, and for what return? Um, not a lot of return for the teams because they're outlaying a lot of money to bring their entire staff to a city, where uh, usually the hotel availability is is tight because you're dealing with cities where they want to go like Vegas and Nashville and and South Florida. Um, And so you're talking about a huge financial hit. Um, And, and at the end of the day, isn't it better for these teams to be in their own home market, to have a party where all their fans can come and buy stuff from like the team and, and, and have their headquarters be there and have their executives come out and their players come out. Like, it makes much more sense for this to be a decentralized draft for the financial sake of the teams and probably for the league. Now what, what I, so I think it's going to happen. I think other leagues have obviously followed suit the NFL being the chief one where they have these like remote offices where these guys are making trades and stuff uh, and making picks. So I think it's going to happen. I I think the interesting thing is going to be what they do with the players because they're still going to have a draft. Like they're still going to go someplace And have a draft maybe it kind of looks like the expansion draft in seattle where they set up a stage at a a beautiful venue and then the players are all there and then they go up and and say something on a horrible sound system that no one can understand and then they just go and they put their hat on i don't know but like they're going to still have something and one of the things that i had heard uh in the summer and i I think this might have been reported somewhere but like the idea of holding the draft at disneyland and having the, the top picks at disneyland like that's definitely something that i heard um in the summer, and then again at the Players Tour, and so when you kind of put two and two together, the idea of having the draft at a venue that maybe isn't a place you can pack twenty thousand people into, and then also decentralizing the draft and having it in satellite offices, well, you can kind of you can you can kind of see where the roads are leading here for the yeah. NHL, yeah. and and I, I think they're probably asking less permission from their general managers and presidents than telling them what's going think the players are (laughs) well that's the problem i mean it's such a it's such a small man's league can they go on the ride you know could could a a young jack hughes go on the Incredicoaster? coaster
1: we don't even know oh wish okay buddy that was great thanks a lot for doing this today we really (laughs) appreciate it enjoy frozen frenzy tonight anytime boys See, hey, buddy, uh, Greg Wachinski from ESPN here on the Halford and Brough show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, he, the, by the way, I'll just say that the two people that he, I think, he was specifically talking about were uh, Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News and mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's his name, Mike Russo from the Athletic. They were pushing back big time. The on, two Mikes. yeah, they did not. I mean, you want to talk about they? Are, those guys are old school hockey NHL writers In and reporters. newspaper guys, right. old school newspaper. They guys. want things to stay the same, and they want the draft to be the draft. And they're hearkening on, they're tugging at the heartstrings. They're like, you can't take it away from the families and these players in that special moment. It's funny because you and I are, I guess, loosely associated with the media. And I I can't. (laughs) I can't see a reason. Very loosely. I can't see a reason not to change it. Like, to me, the draft is a bloated, Mm -hmm. overwrought, overdone thing. And plus, we don't go to it anymore, so screw everyone else. They already took away my trip. Yeah, What else are they going to (laughs) do? Okay, uh, it is time now for the Everything Financial Report with Peter Shishecki. You may think getting a proper financial plan is a long, cumbersome, and difficult process, and that's why you don't have one. Well, you're wrong. It isn't. Give Peter Shishecki and his team and everything financial just one hour of your time, and they'll get you on the road to financial freedom with their Omni Formula Express plan. Peter joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Peter. How are you?
2: Good morning. I'm on with Almost Media guys. It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, Almost Media guys. And here's an Almost question. <laughs> uh, what is you a... Por- question from an Almost Financial guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> what is a portfolio manager? And how is it different from just buying a mutual fund? Because a mutual fund has a manager that's in charge of that mutual fund. Well, uh,
2: more in charge... Mutual funds are really more in charge of just to buy from the board in a lot of cases. They have to own certain percentages of certain stocks where a portfolio manager is what's called an active trader. They can actively change the portfolio at will depending on what's going on and customize it where a mutual fund is definitely more generic and definitely more passive uh, when it comes to the market. So you'd rather be active especially during times like this when you need to make a change on the fly.
0: So that brings us to ETFs. Now, Warren Buffett has said things like the average investor should just buy ETFs. Um, what is the difference between between an ETF and a portfolio manager?
2: Yeah, an ETF is an ETF is a much more inexpensive way of buying investments rather than a mutual fund. And Warren Buffett is is quite right. For people just starting out who who don't have enough money to go the route of the portfolio manager, which the minimum is normally around $50,000. There's a few exceptions. But people just starting out, an ETF is way cheaper than wasting your money on all the embedded fees in a mutual fund. Um, The problem with an ETF is you're always a day late and a dollar short because it just follows the market. But if you're just starting out, what a very inexpensive, low-fee way to get you in the game. And for the person that's starting out, it's perfect.
0: So let's talk about portfolio managers. Um, how do you know if you've got a good one? Because I imagine there are some ones that aren't so good and they call themselves managers, but they aren't very good.
2: They they, uh, look for a portfolio manager and you guys are a sports show, so you're going to love this. And this is the way it's always been explained. Do you want a portfolio manager who day after day keeps hitting singles keeps getting you on base and keeps hitting, you know, it it's might be boring, but single, single, single score runs all the time, that's a good portfolio manager where you're always trying to hit the home run and the big shot and the one thing, what happens when you do that? You strike out a lot. So look for singles. And the other thing, we, we talk, you guys talk and listen all the time about goalies and winning percentages, and you want to get that winning percentage for a goalie over, or say, 900's really good well if you get a portfolio manager even approaching 900 you have definitely got the guy they're doing the thing if you see their their and then that really boils down to their picking percentage how many times are they right with their choices versus how many times if they're wrong the funny thing is they only have to be right about sixty percent of the time to have a winning portfolio but when you find the one that's got that kind of 90 percent Picking percentage or save percentage, you've definitely got the right portfolio manager. And they can provide all that information. All you have to do is ask.
1: I've never seen Laddie perk up more financial advice when it was related to save percentages (laughs) for Dolly. So congratulations, Peter. You've won over our producer. Uh, Thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday.
2: Enjoy the marathon of games tonight,
1: guys. Thanks, Thanks Appreciate Peter. it. That's uh, Peter Shishecki from Everything Financial here on the Halford & Show on Sportsnet 650. Visit them at everythingfinancial.com or call 1-888-424-4421 and get your complimentary introductory meeting booked today. The Canucks are going to see a lot of the Nashville Predators over the next little while. They
0: play the Predators in Nashville tonight. Bit of an odd starting time because of this frozen frenzy. Just remember this. 615-hour time is the start Of tonight's game in nashville nashville is going to be in vancouver on halloween so just a few days uh from nashville visiting so we're going to talk to willie donich next he's the play-by-play guy for a preds team that is three and three they've won two in a row and maybe they're a little bit better than people expected you're listening to the alfred and bruff show on sportsnet 650